You awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you. So is my dad. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God! Why don't you tell me a story? How do you sleep at night? I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate yeah. sellouts. Hey! What's up, man? I'm Brian. Hey, and I'm Murdoch. This is Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, a podcast that exists to uh, talk about rumors and things you might have heard about your favorite songs and your favorite bands. We do a little research and we figure out what is true and what may not be true at all. So today on the show, <laughs> I, I I bring to you a legendary one, and we've actually gotten some emails about this where people go, hey, I can't believe you've made it this many episodes into the show and you have not talked about Pink Floyd and The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And I have a personal experience with this, so, and I don't know if you do. I, I don't. So I've always heard that if you wait for the third roar or the second roar, I think it's the second roar, of the MGM lion, and you start Dark Side of the Moon, that it syncs up perfectly and it creates a crazy visual viewing experience, probably especially if you are imbibing in particular substances. So yes. I I have never done it though and like I remember hearing this around college in the early 2000s um, when all of those all of those things Pink Floyd The Wizard of Oz and drugs were all kind of culminating and uh, you know in in a personal stage of life Uh, but I never did it so tell me did you ever sit down and try to make this work I at one point successfully was able to do this on my own with a VHS copy of Wizard of Oz and whatever the hell I was playing Pink Floyd on on a record or whatever um and then about five or six years later when i was in boulder colorado i went with a bunch of guys and we saw it on an enormous big screen and the thing that gets you and uh, this is this is a little bit of a spoiler but we just want to say it out loud like the wizard of oz is 90 minutes the uh, dark side of the moon is like 45 right 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 so so your your endings are are not going to be there's no synchronicity with that um but yeah so so i did that so the question is was that on purpose yeah that that really is the question and i'm gonna jump right to where the members of pink floyd have denied over and over and said no this has nothing to do with us this is a product of this is a quote from david gilmore some guy with too much time on his hands, quote unquote. Um, drummer Nick Mason told MTV in 1997, it's absolute nonsense. It has nothing to do with the Wizard of Oz. Then uh, Alan Parsons, who was actually the audio engineer on Dark Side of the Moon, has denied yes. that there was any connection, saying we couldn't have even done this. We wouldn't have been able to put put a videotape into the studio because of technological yeah. restrictions at the time. That would not have happened. Um, the quote from him is, it's uh, such a non-starter. It's a complete load of uh, eyewash. I tried it for the first time about two years ago because one of my fiance's kids had a copy of the video, and I thought I had to see what is this all about, and I was very disappointed. And anyway, if you play any record with the sound turned down on the TV, you're going to find things that work. So that's yeah. that's kind of the anti-argument to it, right? It's like you could save this for anything if you tried it hard enough. But there's that's their side of the story. Uh, what so. we, yeah, what we have to look at are a couple of things one the wizard of oz is really interesting because due to its cultural impact there are lots and lots of controversies surrounding that film i've certainly spent a lot of time with this uh probably a little more time than i should have 
but you know <laughs> i just love the idea of you like like full-on doc brown hair in your apartment just like sinking and resinking over and over and being like there's got to be a way great scott we also need to talk about the origin of this whole idea right um where did this come from and why did it permeate in pop culture do you know okay so years here wizard of oz came out in 1939 Yep. Okay. Uh, the Dark Side of the Moon, 73. When do you think this theory emerged? Uh, in the 80s? I don't, know. I don't know when this started. It definitely was happening, but it entered mainstream media in an article in 1995. There was this guy named Charles Savage who was working as an intern at the Journal Gazette in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I just want to stop and say Fort Wayne, Indiana is where this story originated in pop culture. Like, is that on the sign? Because I don't think Fort Wayne has a ton going for it. So I'd just make sure that when people drove into town, they'd know, like, this is where the whole, like, Wizard of Oz, Pink Floyd thing started, bro. Charles Savage... You, you know, you hear this, that this is like his claim to fame and you think, um, okay, great. Uh, is that guy like work at a record store now? Does he wear a lot of tie dye? No, he went on to be a Pulitzer prize winning journalist who uh, wrote a whole lot around the George W. Bush presidency, really being critical of it. And, uh, and, and what a freaking Pulitzer prize for journalism. So, wow. you know, humble beginnings, uh, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> sitting around, sitting around doing bong hits, watching the wizard of Oz. Uh, dark side that's so funny to me that this guy uh would go on to be such a big deal but yeah so let's talk about let's let's talk about the wizard of oz for a moment because it, it is a fascinating movie right um yeah for a yeah, lot there's, of, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> there is so much stuff first of all they use technicolor which you know that i remember even as a kid that was like how i got convinced to watch it by my parents like well it turns color in a few minutes like i know it's black and white now but it's going to be color, and that'll be pretty cool. Uh, it was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Uh, do you know what it lost to? 39, Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. did win in two other categories, Best Original Song and Best Original Score. Um, and, if, you know, Over the Rainbow is a whole other thing um, that we can talk about as a song that has endured throughout history um, in lots of different versions and lots of different places. Uh, so the film was considered a critical a critical success in 39, but it actually didn't make a profit for MGM. Um, given the Technicolor and stuff, it was pretty expensive. So even though people saw it, it actually did not make the money until 1949. They re-released it. And then... In 1956, they put it on TV, and that's when it became, it, it took on a life of its own, and it really became what we think of as, as The Wizard of Oz. Before then, it was it was a movie a lot of people had seen, right? But once yeah. it started being shown on TV all the time, um, it, it quickly became what a lot of people, especially at that time, started to say is, like, this is the most seen movie ever like by the most people because of, of the technology. And it's so interesting a lot of times when you talk about stuff like this to think about the technological impact, right? That the timing and the tech come together to put something like Wizard of Oz, you know, at the forefront. And did you want, did you have a relationship with it as a kid? Yes. It was a very big movie for me as a kid. Yeah. Like how many times Absolutely. would you say you watched it in your childhood? A uh, dozen, maybe. The other, the other thing too, I gather for me at some point, like it was acquired on VHS. 
So because I grew up with um, the three channels in UHF before it was Fox. So it's based on a book, obviously, right? Did you know that in the book, she doesn't have ruby slippers? I didn't know that. Yeah, so in the book, she wears silver shoes. But you know what color looks better in Technicolor than silver? Red. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, what? probably the second or third most iconic thing about the, about the movie was literally tweaked and invented for the use of the Technicolor because they knew how awesome it would. I remember, like, as soon as you say that, right, like ruby red slippers or, or Technicolor, that's the thing that I see, that sparkly red, um, that scene where she gets those. And uh, it's amazing. Hey, it's Brian from Story Guys, and I am so excited to announce a brand new show on the Story Guys Network, starring my friends Kelsey Hall and Charles Wilkerson. It's another goofball game show of sorts based on a game written by pop culture enthusiast and writer Chuck Klosterman. It's called Hypotheticals. And yes, I get to hang out on the show too. But just as the moderator, see, it's a show based around the idea that small talk sucks and the kind of questions you should be asking are the ones where the answers don't matter as much as how you get there. Let's just say it leads to a lot of deep discussions, some real weirdness, and a lot of laughs. Check out some of these highlights from season one. And that's when I would become the oldest Instagram influencer ever and be like, well, you see, my secret to life is me undies. I just bought some. <laughs> On your friends' fridges, what do they have your name listed under? Good time. For a good time call? All right. I will make no comment about that. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> Excuse number two is, yep. oh, I was sleep high kicking because I was dreaming I've always wanted to be a rockette. And so one thing led to another. And If somebody called me, if a cop called me, well, I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but... Do you or do you not have the dreaded plague? I, I do not. I had allergies, but I did wonder for a split second if maybe it was early onset vampire. <laughs> <laughs> do we have a shrink we can dial in online for? Uh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Apparently I need one. I was going to say, Kelsey. It's Hypotheticals. Check out the first full-length episode now wherever you download quality audio, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM. And get ready for new episodes every Wednesday starting January 6th. I'm glad I have you guys to talk this out with in case this ever actually happened. Uh, so a couple things we need to talk about in terms of The Wizard of Oz. There, yeah. is, a, there is a dark side to it. Do you know... <laughs> Like, what do you remember when I say that? What are the, the dark parts of Wizard of Oz that you remember? I mean, can I go rapid fire? Because I clearly know the, the really dark parts about the Wizard hit, of Oz. Hit me with all of them. I mean, I may not have all of them. I have like three or four. Yeah. So I want to hear what you so, know. Costumes were terrible. Judy Garland was a, almost a pubescent girl, and they tied her up in this little corset, and she said that really affected her personally. The cowardly lion outfit, like weighed like almost a hundred pounds. That Tin Man outfit was was made out of metal. Oh, there wow. were multiple multiple producers, uh, so that made everything happen. There was always the rumor that the Munchkins were handsy all over Judy Garland. Yeah, right. Uh, I did find um, that one, and then. Margaret Hamilton, who I know her just recently because I saw a picture of her with Toto in another movie yeah. after Wizard of Oz, which is totally <laughs> hilarious. Um, 
she she got burns all over her body due to the makeup. From the, make, the makeup got too hot. Yep. And then um, she had a stunt double that had to go to the hospital because of, uh, there was like some a, a prop or something exploded. Yep. Um, yeah. So there was that and they thought about making a sequel and they decided not to do that and and it didn't really make at the time it didn't really make a lot of money right and and there was that rumor that i've never been able to when you mentioned this casually i was like i'm gonna go back to look and see if that guy really hung himself on the set yeah okay so the hanging munchkin that's where we were headed that's where we were headed go ahead because it's the most controversial and it's like is it really a munchkin or is it really a person and then the the other thing is like or is it a crane yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what what, what's so interesting about that, too, is that this all started to happen before the advent of the Internet. So you had to have a copy of the movie or you had to tape it off TV and see if you could find it. And you had, to, you know, like there was all so much more work that happened. And then there was like this resurgence when YouTube became so popular that you could just not only could you access these things more quickly, you could also alter video, right? So you can just get in a total wormhole if you want by going to YouTube and looking this up, the Hanging Munchkin hoax. Um, and basically, it, it is this. It, the 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 claim is that there is accidental footage of an onset suicide by one of the Munchkins. What the official response has been is that it's a bird from the L.A. Zoo. Yeah, that's nonsense. So the, the the rumor, I mean, this happened in like proponents of the story claim that during the 1988 restoration of the movie, it was edited out and replaced yes. with the bird. Yes, I know it was edited out eventually. So that's, you know, like most conspiracy theories, there's like the trap door inside the conspiracy theory that explains all of the reasons that people would tell you that it's not true like oh it's a bird or like look at this copy you can clearly tell it's a bird and they're like well that's not the original thing actually this got taken away from you know so um there and it's also funny because the rumor initially was that there was a stagehand who was just in the background or a stagehand that had tried to commit suicide and then it the story kind of morphed through this game of telephone around the time of the re-release for the 50th anniversary in 1989 um people started telling this story about a suicidal munchkin right that he was in love with another munchkin on set oh my gosh and that he, it was unrequited and that he decided to make a statement by hanging himself uh on the set for everyone to see so now if you want to go and look at this there i watch so many of these videos dude because once you start you can't not keep watching them and there there was a youtube channel started in 2011 called suicidal munchkin oh my gosh (laughs) which is also my punk band in college suicidal munchkin no um and they claimed they had the footage of an old vhs copy of the movie so Dorothy, Scarecrow, Tin Man, the trio, they're singing, we're off to see the wizard. Viewer yeah. watches this scene on a digital copy of the film, and if you look in the background, you do see a bird, right? But mm. in this grainy video that they have posted on YouTube, it does appear to be a small person hanging from a rope. Yeah. And 
that's you know the, that's the story that they are sticking to. You know, people who like this theory. I'm, I'm not sure exactly who those people are. That pre 1988, this is what was there. It was discovered. It was taken out in the restoration, and now you know we're Wizard of Oz truthers. <laughs> Yeah, at this point, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like what, then, what are you trying to prove? What, 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 yeah. what good happens if we were able to say, like, oh, this is clearly a munchkin? Like, I don't understand. And where the telephone game has gotten weird for me is that I, I, I remember this, man. I remember this a long time ago. But the munchkin thing was not an aspect. Like, I never, I'd never had heard that it was one of the munchkins. I just, it was like a person. I heard two different theories about it or hypotheses of what this might have been. There was just a person who was on set and for some reason or another had committed suicide. And the second uh, thing that I had heard, and none of these things, of course, are proven at all, was the person who hung themselves was a person who lost one of those parts. Like with someone that was the cowardly lion or the tin man, but they, they didn't even get the stunt double or the body double or anything. They just lost the part. So I heard that was a, a thing. But I've always thought that somebody is hanging um, in the back of that set. When was the last time you went and tried to look at this? Uh, I watched it this year, but I, I didn't watch for the I didn't watch specifically for that um, because I was definitely my mind was definitely not there at the moment. So, oh, but, got it, got it, got it. So you didn't go back looking for this scene in the last year. You just watched Wizard of Oz in the last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I watched it. Um, you know, just to, I think, I do think it's a terrific movie. Uh, and yeah, I went to watch it again. So as far as bringing this back to Pink Floyd, it, it, it makes me laugh that they are like offended by this. Like if you read interviews, there seems to be a lot of like they're just annoyed but it's kind of a great marketing stunt and you know they even got turner classic movies in like 2001 to when they were experimenting with like the multi-channel stuff you could do on on tv boxes yeah they were like oh we're gonna play pink floyd's dark side of the moon on this channel and then on the viewing the viewable channel we're going to be playing the movie so you can actually do both at the same time and watch it on TV. So even like Turner Classic Movies has perpetuated it. So like, wow. what do you think about it? Well, also another thing, that's amazing. I never have heard of that. Um, and when I saw this in person in an actual movie theater, um, other than being quite honestly out of my mind going into a movie theater <laughs> which by the way this same weekend we saw gimme shelter on the big screen oh, and, wow. and we were late and we walked in and like mick jagger is like 20 feet tall like in this movie theater and like they've got the volume up to 11 and it's like everything you dream about um it was like that kind of theater but i remember i walked in um with a couple other guys to watch that and one of the first things i thought was does anyone have the rights to run these things together like obviously like when you're a venue you probably have a right to you know to, to show a film or something. like you, you have to buy those things or whatever but like i was confused about like was this just some guy in boulder colorado that was like dude man you put them together it's like a granola yogurt parfait of heaven I, I didn't know like if that was actually a legitimate thing that they had paid to do um it syncs together so well it's difficult for me to feel in my gut wholeheartedly 
that it's totally not true. It is very hard for me to to accept all of the dismissals from from uh, Gilmore and. I don't really care what Roger Waters say, says. I mean, I, I might um, – there's some of his politics I might agree with, but there's some that I definitely don't. I generally don't listen to him at all, um, and I think that Gilmore's guitar tone sounds better. Um, that's, just me, that's just me like – I like how you're using this as an excuse, yeah, just just to be rude about <laughs> which One, members Roger of Pink Floyd Waters, you like. Waters can't sing terrible guitar tone and he plays yeah. bass the yeah. whole time. even if even if like there there could be incredible proof that it it just is remarkable if you want to see this for yourself and you're just not sure you can try it at home okay and here i've, I've actually got the guide we'll put this in the show notes but here's here is the way it is suggested to do it first you insert dark side of the moon into your cd player I would say it probably helps to have like full control. So if you can do it on CD, if you can do it with a DVD as opposed to trying to stream both of these things, it's probably going to work better. Because, you know, you've got to think with buffering speeds and such, this is another one of those things where you take away the physical, right? And the hard copy, yeah. you could have some variants. So if, yeah. if you want to be purist about it, it sounds really good on vinyl, but it's easier to control on CD. So put, put your CD player in the room, put your CD in, press play once the album starts to play press pause and then press the track rewind to take you back to the very beginning of the first track and then and then at this point i don't know if it's in there brian you have to go get a towel and put it under the door and then if you need to be really paranoid about it get one of those toilet paper holders and then put the fabric softener in it and that way it kind of the the smell just goes out okay so then you've got the track and you're going to start from the beginning of it okay set your cd player for album repeat and this is how you get past the 45 minutes 90 minutes conundrum start Ah. the wizard of oz dvd now it's recommended that you go into the menu and choose subtitles to play with the movie because it lets the music take the spotlight. But you can continue to follow the movie without getting distracted by spoken dialogue. So make sure you're through the previews and then just press play movie. Now, wait for the black and white MGM Lion to appear. Back to what I said earlier, it is the third, not the second time. Once he roars for the third time, Hit play on the CD player. Press mute or turn down the volume on your TV or crank up the volume in your headphones and then confirm that the album and the movie are in sync. When you see the credit produced by Mervyn Leroy, that credit should be fading amid the transition that happens in between Speak to Me and Breathe. Yep. Oh, I got it. Very detailed. Once it's underway, the first eyebrow-raising moment happens when Dorothy balances on a fence at her family farm, just as David Gilmore begins to sing the line, balanced on the biggest wave. And that's in Breathe. In fact, from around four minutes into the film, the synchronicity is uncanny for a for that full 45 minutes. Uh, this is best seen on Great Gig in the Sky, when it kicks in just before that tornado. Um... And then when Dorothy wakes up in her now floating house, Claire Torrey's powerful vocals begin to build, and it almost seems like they're fueling the the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. Ah! Ah! <laughs> I just, I love how how well you know this. Like, you could totally walk <laughs> us all the way through this with, like, noises and sounds. Yeah, I know this well, I guess. 
there also appears to be playful lyrical cues for particular characters. Like, the lunatic is on the grass. And that is when the scarecrow starts dancing on the grass, while brain damage kicks in at the precise moment of, if I only had a brain. Yes. Later, when Dorothy checks to see if the Tin Man is as heartless as he claims, you can faintly hear the heartbeat sound that's sampled in the album's outro. Mm -hmm. Now, there are undoubtedly long sequences that have, at best, extremely abstract audiovisual similarities. And the fact that Dark Side of the Rainbow closes with Dorothy finally awaking back on the farm as the lyric Home Home Again rings out starts to make you think these dudes were doing this on purpose at Abbey Road Studios. And, um, you know, Dark Side of the Moon has been played on the radio so much. However, it still feels like a fresh piece of art that's different than listening to all those dang Eagle songs that you hear is just as much. Yeah. Um, Or Stairway to Heaven. For some reason, there is something mythical and dark and mysterious about Dark Side. And there is no way to really separate that from the art that it is. So it's just a very easy to add this mystery to it having a visual component you know and you bring up a great point right even if the band wants absolutely nothing to do with this fan theory the speculation has continued to amount the screenings have continued to happen devotees like yourself are convinced that the album and film were somehow cosmically destined to work together right so you know Daniel Levitin, the cognitive psychologist? He says that there is a story te- that we are a story storytelling species, and our mm. entire left hemisphere is a great confabulator. It makes up evidence before the facts are in. So yes, we have an inherent need to match things up. And he so calls makes sense. This, yeah. He says the phenomenon is known as apophenia. The human tendency to perceive meaningful patterns within random data. Yeah. It's very, very and- interesting. It's very difficult for me to separate the two. So, because at this, at this point, can you imagine how they're burned onto my brain? Like, I tried to do this myself, and then I watched someone very professionally do it, <laughs> and and loud. The other thing was, imagine getting like I don't know, just way sideways hammered to go <laughs> have some kind of experience, uh, and it's over like in forty five minutes. You know, like all of a sudden the lights come up. You're like, oh, we got to go <laughs> and and do this yourself over the holidays. I can't think of something that's more wholesome than with your family, than possibly ingesting some drugs <laughs> and watching Wizard of Oz and Let's Me Dark Side of the Moon together as a family by the uh, Christmas tree. There you go. Keep telling stories. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright 2020 Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.